Well, it's good to see everybody, and uh, thanks for coming out. We're uh, done. Oh, hey, Suleiman. Oh, yeah. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I texted Greg and asked him if we were on tonight, and he didn't reply to me. Would you like to see the text? Here, why don't I show it to you? Greg told me he did respond to you. No, he didn't. I know that. I can't read it. It's too small. Hold on. And your beard I is said, so are, 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 are we doing the podcast today? I am not sure. I am asking the box. Boss. Sorry, not Cal. KK. I knew that. Yes. No reply since then. He's right. He's right. I thought I thought my yes was as in yes, we're we're on. But no, it was it was yes. Yeah, yes was yes was meant as a yes, we're on. Oh, okay. You don't speak English too good, eh? <laughs> I just messaged Tessie. Let's see if she joins. She said yes. Jamie too. Jamie said maybe, and then as soon as he said maybe, he tweeted to uh, Simon Whitfield. So, <laughs> then he, he, he what said is this to you, like maybe that? I'm probably too busy, and then he jumps on Twitter and starts tweeting everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you caught him. Red hand. So there's like a CPJ's version of conquer COVID. Is that what's going on right now? That's it, man. You're it's... you're quick. <laughs> Suleiman, how you doing, brother? Good, bro. What's the hat you're wearing? What's up with that? What's up with that hat? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different hat. That's a different hat than was sold. Yeah. Afterwards, wasn't it? All right. Well, if uh, if Hesse joins, that's that's an OG hat before everybody bought all these hats. Oh, it's OG. Fair enough. Fair enough. Way to go, Akil. I forgot to tell Akil this is being uh, recorded for video as well. So smoke away, my friend. (laughs) Oh, no. Just as as long as my family doesn't see this, we're good. Was that recorded also? It's recording. I sent you guys all the forms to sign, right? No, I didn't. Are you guys like quiet? Like no one's talking now. Ever since we started recording, everyone's quiet. (laughs) Are we recording? No one wants to say anything. Anything uh, slightly controversial. When legal gets in the room, that's when the party really starts. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I just want to say that um, uh, a a week or two weeks ago, I uh, I saw on on. Uh, Instagram on Twitter that uh, Conquer COVID was wrapping up. I received an email today from HR uh, Bryn that uh, Conquer COVID is wrapping up. Uh, and on the news, um, our premier Doug Ford is uh, clamping down on gatherings uh, because we're getting a second wave. So um, timing. Let's talk about the end. And as soon as I say that, Greg goes on mute. Um, 
why are why is conquercovid19.ca wrapped up when it seems that there is a uh, uh, a second wave happening anyone can take this this is not for anyone specific but yeah why why is it uh why is it closed down anyone geez seriously oh, i think i think the biggest reason is yeah okay no i think i think the biggest reason is we were ever only meant to be a stopgap i mean that's not meant to be a speaking point it is the truth we were only ever meant to be a stopgap while the government got there together and it went on longer than any of us expected to mm -hmm. uh largely to do with the success of the initiative and the fact that we had to distribute everything that we everything from the success and so it was all about you know taking that time till the government had everything in place to fulfill what they needed to fulfill and they're at that point right now policies aside you can talk about doug ford you can talk about you know trudeau and everything else policies aside it was just ever that stopgap so it was just meant as a stopgap for Procurement and distribution. Yeah. yeah, PPE during that time. Well okay. said, Greg. Thanks. Yeah. It's not what it said on the website. Right? <laughs> I don't know if that's a Greg question. Is, is the website still working? I don't know. Let me go check. <laughs> what do you mean? Is, Greg, what do you mean? It's not what it said on the website. Check, check the server under your bed, okay? <laughs> I'm pretty no, sure. No, so here's, here's what I don't want. Version. Here's what I don't want this to be. There has been, uh, and kudos to uh, to all of you. I, I, I um, you and know, you. Pe people, no, people like Akil uh, and I might not have, you know. Yes, we were on uh, on a volunteer list, uh, but you know, Akil has said, and 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 I'll say the same thing that you know we didn't play a huge role, and, and that's fine, no big deal. But so I don't want, and, and so. Yes, there was lots of press, but I don't want this to be a rehash necessarily of everything you can find on a Google search. Um, I am asking mm -hmm. questions, yes, with a little bit of insight, uh, but also asking questions that haven't been asked because, you know, either it wasn't important at the time or because it didn't fit into a story or because it, it just wasn't part of the narrative that, you know, any media uh, agency wanted to, media company wanted to, you know, put out there or that the PR, um, you know, wanted to be out there. So that's why I ask, I might be asking questions um, that, you know, is not going to get a quick response and might need some thought. Maybe I should have, you know, okay, okay. Can I say you guys something? ahead of time. Yeah, go ahead, Lori. Yes. Okay. So, one thing about wave two, because we are in wave two, it's been confirmed by a number of medical professionals. Okay. Um, wave two isn't wave one. Wave one was we had a PPE gap. Our entire organization was organized to fulfill that gap. Um, and it was a stop gap, as, as Greg said, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't meant to replace the government. It was as Suleiman often says, till the cavalry comes in. Wave two is <laughs> wave two is completely different. Wave two is is the inequity of the virus in all its um, horrible way, 
and uh, and it's about teachers, and it's about students and kids. It's it may not be about long term care homes. So I think um, I think it would be foolish to think that that we need to address wave one the way we or wave two the way we addressed wave one. Hmm. It's not the same. No, no, it's it's a it's sure I I can I can see that. What are yeah. what are your thoughts on? What are your thoughts then on, is there a space for conquercovid19.ca? Uh, is there a role to be played in, uh, in wave two? Um, I mean, I, I know Suleiman's got thoughts on that. Um, I think we really have to understand wave two and much like we did in the beginning of conquer covid you know, originally we thought we were going to help with, you know, ventilators. And mm -hmm. that wasn't the case because we, you know, we're not a manufacturer. We don't have access to that kind of um, equipment. Um, it's kind of the same way. I, I mean, I think there's a, a core group of us that will, um, that will continue to talk about it and what's needed. Um, but, uh, but other than that, I mean, I, 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 um, I don't really know what the future holds at this present time. Mm -hmm. I do know, um, and Suleiman has mentioned, uh, I don't know whether he's mentioned it publicly, but I, I don't think he'd mind me saying that many people put in many hours. Yeah. Um, and I, and you know, it's, it's not necessarily a, a state secret. Um, is there, is there a feeling on the team that Hey, you know, people have families to look after. People have businesses to look after. People have their jobs to look after. People have other things to look after. That maybe, you know, it's it's it is a volunteer organization. That maybe it, it, it's, you know, and Lori, you sort of spearheaded the uh, uh, the toolkit. Is that is that the name for it? What is playbook? Yeah, playbook. Yeah, that maybe it's it's time for um, another group, another group of people to to look at wave two to see if, if there is a need for uh, volunteer assistance or, or, or a network of people to come together. Uh, feel free to jump in there, Suleiman. I see. Um, so I think to your earlier question, um, Greg and Lori really, um, as, as part of the original co-founders, uh, you know, were, pretty eloquent. I think that we we stepped in in the breach back in March when no one really knew what was happening. The severity of this issue, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, particularly in healthcare where they didn't have the necessary supplies because government is just naturally slow moving as a ship, provincial, federal, municipal. Um, hospitals, I would argue, are the same as well. Uh, in an administration of bureaucracy, there were situations where hospitals, I won't say who, had PPE supplies, but they didn't get them to the front lines of their own buildings. Mm -hmm. So um, we stepped in at a moment in time when it was needed, but our mandate was never to become a, a full-time organization or anything because the back of it was it's been built on volunteer hours. And many of these volunteers have gone back to school, gone back to work. Um, so something like that isn't, sustainable and it was always understood that it was temporary. Um, and at the time it was to 
Corey said that for the cavalry to come in, now it's time for the government to come in. And I think one of the bigger takeaways is I think we have to look at provincially and federally, are the healthcare services being funded properly for this kind of thing? Are other systems being provided? So that, that the, you know, the supplies of PP that would be required because what people have told us is this may not be the last pandemic we have to deal with. So what have we learned from that and how are we there? So uh, to me, I think Conquer COVID served a purpose and I, you know, I won't speak for the team, but it was well beyond what I ever imagined it would possibly be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think originally we just started to focus on the Toronto area. GTA then expanded quickly because of Lori's efforts and Bob Cajun and then Greg launched the site and that took us into a, a stratosphere nationally but it, it, you know we're never meant to be a permanent solution and I think so now it's you know when you're top of game so to speak um, I think it's best that you end on a high note in a dignified manner and you move on and and I, sometimes it's hard because people pour their heart and souls into this thing and it's hard to let go sometimes right mm -hmm. but you know, I think it was Lori used the analogy, like sometimes when your kids get older, you gotta, you gotta let them go, right? And I think that's kind of where we're at with this thing. And uh, I think it's taken a toll on a lot of people as well. Um, so, yeah. And to your point too, I think there's also like, there's a lot of people wanting to do other things. If you look at what Cash did with Masks for Masks for Canada, is it? I feel yep. like I like to get yes, Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of people wanting to do a lot of things. And it's like Conquer COVID could do a lot of things, but we did one thing well. And I think the opportunity is for people to, you know, take that spirit. Yep. If there's anything to learn, take what they learn and run with other groups. I mean, we heard it from Bryn, who was leading our HR. Like, you know, he said, you know, people want to keep doing good. Awesome. Then you know, form groups and run with it and do good in another way with a with another group of people that may include some people from Conquer COVID and may not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be under the auspices of Conquer COVID. And I think that was part of the point in my view of the playbook. It's inspired people to do other things and here's how we did it, good, bad, or ugly, and then how other people can leverage it. But, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you, you go when you're top of game. And I think that this team of volunteers managed to do that. So mm -hmm. you don't want to drag it out, right? Like, let's say you're this great Toronto Maple Leafs hockey player. Oh, and you just God, keep here the we go. Out, blah, 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 blah. When you play on the fourth line, then you get <laughs> sent down to the minors. You're trying to hold on to glory from 1967 and all that bullshit. And finally, you just have to let it go, right? Hey, you, you can't, can't swear on this go. podcast. No swearing on this podcast. <laughs> hey, um, um, Kareem, would you mind if I play, uh, you know, co-host with you and ask some questions myself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, you and I were, were supporting actors, and the other three guys were part of, like, the Avengers. And to <laughs> me, it's like the Avengers endgame scene when the – when they're going head to head with Thanos and the army. And like, I'm one of the little guys in the background who gets stepped on by a giant in the first five seconds of the scene while these guys go take, you know, Thanos by the neck and, and figure it out. And, uh, you know, and, I, and what I did, see, when I, I got to observe you guys and helping a little bit, but what I saw was a citizen response to a huge problem where structure and regulation prevented 
the large like government large hospital groups from from uh, pivoting and adapting, whereas a citizen-driven response was able to be more nimble and figure out how to make solutions work and sort of force-feed it through. And then structure ended up happening as a result of growth. We sort of, they, I watched you guys reverse engineer some structure to just add some order to the, the chaos that, that, you know, comes up. So I have a, you know, and, and as a result of this, um, I've had other people come because they've known, I've, I know you guys and have been involved a bit. Uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of the um, racial issues that have been uh, coming up lately. Uh, there's people wanting to create citizen responses to that. And the thing that they're most interested in is how do you guys organize yourselves? How'd you do that? They want to sort of copy what they did in COVID and figure out how they can apply that to something completely different. That's also happening at this time, which I think is fantastic. So my, my question is, you know, tell me about um, the, like, if you were to be totally honest uh, uh, to people who are wanting to get involved and make a difference in some way uh, in the community now, whether it's COVID in the second wave, or if it's racism, or anything else that they're trying to tackle. Uh, when, you know, what was your life like through this? And what sort of the post what, what what is it like now do you feel like you wish you were doing it again or does it like oh thank god that was over you know <laughs> what kind of a toll did it take on your personal and work lives uh in as on as an honest a fashion as you can give us i i'm almost afraid to share that i mean no yeah i want you Lori, to st start first because you you have the bob cajun tie you started a business around the same time <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think you're perfect to tackle this. Listen, I I I was not alone. I know that um, Greg and and Suleiman worked. I, I worked 22 hours a day for five weeks straight. I sat in a chair, and my kids brought my meals to me. I went to bed at three, four, got up at five. I mean, I, I I've never worked like that in my entire life, and it wasn't all conquer COVID like. Suleiman said, I, I was trying to run business uh, poorly. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, we, we spoke about this. I mean, my partners said, you know, just do what you can and we'll do as much of your job as we can. And, um, and I, hired, I hired some people uh, to do my work um, for me. I, and it was, those, those five weeks were super, super intense. Um, I gained a weight. <laughs> I gained COVID-19 on my chin and other places. Uh, but you know, like I, it's, it wasn't hardship. I mean, I think conquer COVID saved me. I, I mean, I was in the fetal position like anyone else when the world shut down. I just was in it like three weeks before everyone, because I knew it was coming because I studied trends. Um, but it got me out of that. And I think there's something beautiful about helping other people and doing something for vulnerable communities that gets you out of, I guess, being worried about, you know, uh, the world and, and your place in it you know, you kind of find that space. So it was a brutal 22 hours a day for the first five weeks, but there were beautiful moments and I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up. I'm lucky that I had the support of my work and my family to go through it. Can you talk about a beautiful moment? 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of tough moments in the beginning because, um, you know, the first outbreak was in Bob Cajun and every morning we woke up, like the news just told us someone else uh, had passed away. And I didn't know anyone personally, but uh, it was hard. It was really hard to watch the town grieve. And that was, that was very difficult. But um, uh, there was a moment where I took a break and, and my husband was boiling um, our sap because we have a maple syrup farm. And I got uh, a message that, uh, that uh, Procter & Gamble had donated $50,000. And I just started crying. And my husband's like, what's wrong now? And it's like, it was just another moment where, you know, we had partners. It felt like we started this on our own, but, you know, Volvo came and XYZ Storage helped us. And then we just, ba Toys R Us donated baby monitors and then Fiona McLean and, and you know, the Thistledown Foundation uh, donated money. It was just, there were these periods where we get this news and I just like burst out crying because of joy. And I don't think I've ever cried from joy in that way. Maybe, you know, watching your kids sing on a, in a concert or something like that for sure. But um, those were kind of cool moments. I know, um, Suli, uh, you know, you've, you've, in your previous life um, with uh, No Flyless Kids, you've had uh, initiatives that were citizen run that got a lot of, you know, spotlight on them. You know, how does this affect you and your family when you're going through it uh, in, in the height of it? A lot, a lot of the press plus the operations at the same time and then trying to, you know, hold down a family and a business uh, while you're at it too. And I know this affected Lori as well, but I, I thought I'd direct that. Sorry, Kareem, if I'm taking over with the questions. Um, I think that, um, I mean, it, it was a challenge because in the beginning, Khadija was busy with the kids and then learning school from home and um, but then she started getting involved and, and that was helpful because any success that we've had in the past on things whether it's no fly or the you know serum refugees or other things we always do it as a team and so her strength is always strategy and longer term seeing things I'm more just get it done now and get going you know damn the torpedoes kind of thing and you go full speed ahead um, it certainly, to Lori's point, had a toll uh, on our family and our kids uh, because you're all in. And, you know, and it's different than other advocacy work that we've done in the past because here you're literally getting supplies to people who need them to save lives. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I, I view us as, you know, and I, I, I don't, I'm uncomfortable when people use analogies like heroes or even the Avengers because. I, I just feel like we were effectively pizza delivery drivers. Like we just got product from point A to point B. The people that are working on the front line really should be the focus of the credit. I appreciate when people are thankful, but you know, so for us, there was pressure. And for me, it's fortunate longtime friends like you guys were there. Uh, you know, I'm going to bust Greg's butt a little bit, but like what he did in launching the site in two days was remarkable. It, it just, you know, and, and, and having to deal with some lunatics on our side of the fence and others in terms of 
launching the the, the e-commerce like for that t-shirt that suddenly yeah. you know people didn't think was very good and you know and i guess in some ways it wasn't but you know how it sold twenty one thousand and raised you know almost half a million dollars but that would never have gone live if it wasn't for greg and natalie who worked on easter weekend right like so there's a lot of sacrifice through what Lori's saying. I mean, it was a bit abnormal. Like there were times at midnight or 1 a.m. we're like texting or calling each other, you know, and I'm sure both of our spouses are looking at us like, what the frig's wrong with you, right? Um, and there were times when they were stressed with each other. Um, but I think that when you've got friends, you know that it's not personal and you got to remind yourself those are friends. Um, and I think that's important from a core group perspective, because then we brought on other people who contributed, but I think values tend to be sometimes a bit different or priorities or why you do things. And, and, and that's something that sometimes it wrestles with the soul of the organization or what the mandate is. And you would get con, you know, conflicting perspectives, but ultimately I, I think we stayed true to why we started it. We trade, stayed true to the mandate. And, you know, I think it was the analogy Lori wants to use. It's like our kid, we made sure when it was done, when we had our kid back, so to speak, um, you know, um, Greg's a pretty lousy father, so I don't know how good of a parent he is, but, you know, I mean, Bryn and, Bryn and, Bryn and, 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 and company's kids are just fantastic. Like when, we, when Greg brought him on board to say, look, we need someone to run HR because we're just getting too many volunteers and we have no structure or no chart and, you know, and then need to work with you, Akil, to help us create that. And I think that those pieces could come into play, but it was a lot of sacrifice by a lot of people, but I'm not complaining about it. Like we had to do what we had to do. And if you're going to complain, then get the hell out. Like, don't do it then. Like leave. No one's forcing you to stick around. And, um, but you know, there were times when there were some, some challenges and, um, um, you know, that, that's, part and parcel when you have success i think sometimes people think it's just perfect wasn't there was mistakes that were made and um hell i made a lot of them Pand you know in the middle of the pandemic you have stress we all had stress in our families we all had trauma people suffered losses personally family members in the midst of this um we had jobs in the middle we were losing jobs in the middle um there's a whole bunch of stuff that was happening so that's where i think the results are kind of remarkable in how people got together and got stuff done. Just a, a follow-up to that. So I'm picking up two things. One is you don't like the Avengers analogy. So let's go with Care Bears. We're a bunch of you fuzzy people. <laughs> shot love out of your the, the other thing is, okay, so for people who are listening, I think who are really um, motivated to try and do something on their own, you naturally start by gravitating to people who are close to you to help out. Friends, contacts, mm. whatever. And so when you're dealing with people who are close to you, obviously that creates some degree of positive momentum, but when there's a serious disagreement on how things ought to be operated or whatever, you know, what, how did you guys work through that? Especially when you're dealing with close friendships on the line here uh, in, in, in trying to do something that's so time sensitive, how do you guys, uh, you know, balance, you know, the friendship with the dis any disagreements that might've been happening as you were working through it? I'll, well, I'll say this tonight. I'm sure Greg and Lori have a perspective, but I think we had to move from a flat structure to command and control structure when we started taking a ton of money and a ton of volunteers and stuff. And it required us to compartmentalize things and not necessarily everyone agreed, but 
that's what we had to do. I was fortunate that, I don't know, um, becoming, I don't know the term, be the general manager or the team or whatever that, that, but, but I found that they, like, I didn't find that there was a problem with that with, with, with Greg or Lori, they, we worked together. I felt that there was a mutual respect and trust. I know that at times we agreed like, okay, if our texts are getting a little snitty or pissy with each other, let's pick up the phone and talk. And pretty much we'd figure shit out. Uh, sorry for the swear word. Um, we figure stuff out and, and, and that's how we managed to do it. But, but I think with friends, there's a mutual respect and a trust that's there. I will say that sometimes with, when you don't have friends, those conversations become a little more challenging. Uh, with other people and I would say that as long as you've got like because both of them aren't going to say it but they've done themselves a ton of advocacy work they just go and do it quietly they don't they don't do it with fanfare they just go and do it so when I think you have people with those kind of similar values and in any initiative you to your question if anyone's doing that the first thing I'd say is download the playbook like that'll tell you how we did it and you know people may do it differently but I'd, I'd also say get started you don't have to be big and end up having a Ryan Reynolds, don't get me wrong, it's a blessing the guy endorsed us and was involved, but you can start something quiet, like Kareem's been involved with Cubs and Scouts for years and doing stuff. You've been involved with stuff with your family. Uh, we all have, so that that's that's my answer to that question. So. I think too, putting together, I mean, what we had to do because we grew so fast, mm -hmm. yeah. the initiative blew up, was we had to you know, initially put together a leadership team and then we quickly went, oh shit, that's too big. We need to have a senior leadership team. And then it's, okay, corporate governance. And it's, because again, the size, as soon as we start bringing in a million dollars from Fiona and Toby, it's like, you need to be a corporation. You need to have yourself protected. So again, yeah. to Suleiman's point, not everybody ha F has to. And, and, you know, frankly, I think we captured lightning in a bottle for whatever reason, the people, the initiative, the time, the need, whatever it is, we captured lightning in a bottle. It's, you know, will it ever happen again? Who knows? And I'm not even talking for us, I'm talking for anybody else. But if you start getting to that point where it's blowing up big, you gotta put together that governance. That's gonna be so important. I think that's what yeah. really helped us. Even in, you know, we had senior leadership, and then we had to put a board together. And then we had to have structure within us, we talked about from an organizational perspective, so. Tell, tell me the, the, the importance of that, right? Because I, you know, when, when you're, far away from it looking at it it's like okay these guys are raising money and they're asking people to donate and companies to donate uh extra pp if they have them on hand and yeah they got a website that people can go to what's the what's the importance of having that that governance structure uh why why was it needed is it because you're big and all of a sudden like someone tells you you need it like, you know why? when we founded this like we were doing everything like Greg was pretty focused on adding digital infrastructure, but to get, Can I just in interrupt right just there, Lori, sorry, Greg R. welcome to the music. These guys are telling how awesome you are <laughs> with websites. Our website hasn't been updated for two months. Anyways, Lori continue. Oh. Hey, listen, he's busy getting PP, so back off, Kareem. Yeah, okay? yeah so exactly. More Don't piss off the Care Bears, Kareem. Don't <laughs> piss off the Care Bears. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. You muted me. I was complimenting Greg, doing infrastructure. Oh, yes. 
But for Sullivan and I and, and a number of others, we're like, everybody was in charge of partnerships. You know, everybody was in charge with reaching out to sister organizations. Mm. And then and then we had, uh, you know, Gurry is the lawyer who was focused. Like, we had to stop ourselves from self-imploding because, uh, you know, as founders, we're doing a little bit of everything. And I, I like, I often call myself chief of do whatever it takes because in those early days, it's like, I'm doing distribution, I'm doing operations, I'm doing partnerships, I'm doing, you know, talking to HR. Um, we needed structure so that we could really scale. And it got beyond, you know, a group of friends. What's interesting with structure, because um, um, when I was helping Lori and Khadija come up with an org chart, is I went and I talked to a couple of executives as a CEO of a CEO of um, United Way, uh, a big one, as well as a CEO of um, a disaster relief. Uh, it's called Disaster Philanthropies out in the States. They do a lot of work right now, especially with the wildfires. Yeah. And, and the advice that they gave the group, um, or like, to me to give to the group, was two things. One was to have a sunset clause, because yeah. earlier you mentioned how we, you know, they had to end it, and we talked a lot about ending on top. And the, they're saying that, you know, when people often start these things, if they, there isn't an end date, you lose momentum, and people don't work yeah. towards an end. It kind of fizzles out, right? So if you have an end date and you create that time pressure, people operate much more effectively. Secondly, with structure, and the word strategy is this weird word that it's hard to pin down what it means, but at the end of it, it helps, it helps organize decision-making and accountability. So you have a clear way of deciding what to do and more importantly, what not to do, and then delegating uh, different sets of decisions to different people or else everybody wants to make all the decisions and you get a bunch of like uh, chatter and, and very little gets done. So I think the, the idea of structure helps give a group traction helps delegate uh, to people who have strengths in different areas and empower them to make decisions. And there's an operating model. We do this, we don't do that. Because I, what I did see in a lot of the conversations was so many ideas of people wanting to take this in new directions and a concerted effort by the group here to keep it on track and focused on what it was, what it was good at. So a sunset clause giving it timing, saying if we're going to end at this date, then we, we want to accomplish as much as we can in that time. It's a good motivator. And then you have the choice at the end if you want to keep it going or, or or shut it down but everybody at the top of those companies said have a sunset clause and add some structure so that you know what to say no to and and that's uh, I think an important thing for anybody who's trying to set up something of their own yeah I was waiting for a question to come out of that Akil but that's you may no, no you're right because again we we, we 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 were challenged with all of those factors even mm -hmm. pretty much to the end like in different ways and again nothing nothing you know earth shattering or breaking the mold, but we went on longer than we anticipated. You know, we, we knew, we, we thought we had an end, but for various reasons, we kept going and, you know. Yeah, why was that? Cause it's like, I don't know how many times I was told, okay, this is gonna end in like two weeks. And then the ball kept <laughs> getting kicked further down, down the field. Like what was causing that ball to get kicked down further afield? So, so there, there was a, you know, a couple of reasons. One of them was sometimes PPE is so complicated that the type of product that we got didn't meet standards, like the alcohol levels. So then you had to send back the sanitizer to the supplier and get the correct amount that's approved by Health Canada. Because the last thing we'd want to do is send 
PP to a hospital, that's the wrong kind. And then, you know, there's some kind of an issue. Um, I think the other factor in, in my view was that some people, uh, you know, present company excluded, had a hard time letting go because you're, you know, you're putting so much time and energy into something. And so your heart and soul's into it. So it becomes very hard to let go when you have to grieve or you have other issues that you've got to face. Um, and the third factor, I'd say, quite frankly, some people, um, I think, were not used to the media coverage or the celebrity or those other factors. And quite frankly, it can become intoxicating. And so it becomes this thing of going on, but it doesn't become sustainable when you're for example, medical students are all starting going back to med school and they're wiped out, like your infrastructure starting to disappear underneath you. And so that's when we started putting down hard deadlines on things that we would no longer accept donations. We would no longer accept PPE. Um, you start to pull back a little bit on the press or media. Those were other factors as well um, in order to, to, to put that end date. There was one other thing though. Um, we did receive some of our PPE later than we thought. I mean, it's a complicated business, uh, but mm -hmm. we also as a group, like new emergencies started emerging. Like we, uh, you know, my mom called and I was talking to her and she wanted to know what we were doing about Windsor. And, you know, this was before- Can you elaborate on what do you mean by Windsor? I will. Um, you know, okay. the migrant workers and the farmers, were, you know, were, living in poor conditions, but we're also suffering from COVID. And so I, you know, I brought that to Khadija because uh, Khadija uh, had been working with many vulnerable communities and, uh, and we brought that to the rest of the team and we decided, you know what, it's not too late. We think we can get a significant donation down to, to Windsor. And that took, uh, you know, a couple weeks to organize and get to the right places. And it was, what was wonderful about that donation is it didn't just go to um, the migrant workers. It went to the health units that serve the migrant workers. It went to five different places along the chain of health uh, that you would address if you had to deal with a COVID situation from health units to testing areas to the actual workers themselves and the farms. Um, so that kind of prolonged it. And sometimes it was a loon shot, uh, but we went for it. Like we, like we've had, uh, you know, if you've got lightning in a bottle, sometimes you try and squeeze a little more light out of it. I want to ask, I don't know who wants to answer this, if it's Suleiman or Lori. I know Greg's working on the website right now, but um, you talked about- Am I muted? Hello? Is this thing on? You talked about vulnerable communities, Lori. Um, and one of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I understood that people like Cathedra and Hesse were sort of spearheading that or, or, or leading that. And what I found out about, you know, that, you know, we were, the group was looking after, you know, uh, women and families in, in homeless shelters and things like that. It really touched me. I thought, that's awesome. That's like a, a forgotten group of people. Um, and I really wish that Hesse was on this call, but is there anyone on the call now um, that can, um, can just talk about um, recognizing that that was a vulnerable community and sort of the work that was done to provide assistance? Silman, call Khadija. She's in the, 
She might be in the she, same she, room. She, 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 she's taking a break from Conquer COVID for a bit. Um, what I can say is that I think that um, the diversity of our group, um, whether it's race, religion, culture, creed, those factors, aided us a lot in perspectives like of our senior leadership team. Uh, 50%, at least a 50% of the people in the SLT were women and women of color and uh, or 70% of the people on the team were people of color. And so the, the comment that I think it was either you or Lori made was a lot of the communities that were impacted by COVID are marginalized communities and the indigenous communities. Lori's driven PP up to their, uh, to, 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 to the indigenous communities. Uh, we've shipped it. Um, so I think that those were factors that really came into play. Um, but there were challenges on it too. Like some points, like when I'm, I'm going to be frank, when Lori's mom suggested the migrant workers in Windsor, some people were like, well, you know, do we need to do this? Or is that touching into a political area? And other people were very firm, like, no, get it to them and let's go. You know, this isn't a political issue. It's a human rights issue. Um, you know, so, you know, because some people view the migrant workers as a touchy subject. Uh, they're frontline workers protecting our food lines and they're human beings. So they have every right to be like Canada, everyone else. Right. Right. So. And they're our but, guests. Yeah. And, and, and people, some people had issue with that. But we just realized, I think, what was our North Star and why we were doing this. And we moved ahead and managed to get it done. And, um, we're unapologetic about it. Our, our group too was very supportive of Black Lives Matter because that's an important theme. But I'll be frank, not anyone necessarily agreed with that. But, you know, we do what we feel is important and we move forward. I want to ask you, um, Suleiman, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, the migrant workers and, and people thought that that might be political in terms of helping them. Um, you got you guys know if if you follow me on on Twitter, um, you know I'm never. Uh, no, I don't. I'm very. Uh, are you on Twitter? I blocked you. I blocked you. I put you on mute. I'm not. I'm not the most quietest guy when it comes to my uh, continued disdain for all things uh, Ford, not the car company. Um, how was it? You know, knowing that you know here was uh, you know someone who. Uh, you know, was leading the province uh, through this through this pandemic, uh, but prior to the pandemic, had really you know taken a knife to uh, various um, various communities, right? Whether it's uh, the, the the health, um, you know, whether it's healthcare um, or whether it's other communities. What was it like putting that aside to? work with everybody to ensure that good things get done. So Lamont, I'll ask you, because you and I had a conversation yeah. about this. Uh, uh, well, I'll let Greg and... Uh, Greg's not there. I think Greg sort of slipped away. Oh my gosh, Where, he's hiding. <laughs> he's hiding. He's hiding, because this is his question. He's just he's checking for the server under his bed. I just, I, <laughs> That's right. I'm just making sure the website's working. I, 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 I still haven't, you guys know what this is. I still yeah. haven't opened this up because I know what's inside. Anyways, so, 
But, so, sorry, uh, so what was the question again? I think at a time like this, you got to put everything aside. And we had, we had, it's not just Ford, we had numerous times with various politicians where we had to deal with this person's pissed off about that or, or, you know, not pissed off, but, you know, this person's upset because we dealt with this person and this person's upset because we dealt with that person. You know, in a time during a panic, a panic, a pandemic, honestly, and I'm going to trump Suleiman's shit, fuck it. Like, it's time to put all that political partisan bullshit out of the way and get stuff done. It really is. So, so, you know, did I bust Ford every day up until the pandemic when everything went south and we all had to figure this out and then he, he supported us for that? Yes. Have I started busting him again since because my wife's sitting in a classroom with 18 students or whatever it is, you know, meanwhile, they're, they're saying we can't have more than 10 people in a, a building right now. Yeah, I'm back to that. But at the time, at the time, to answer your question, at the time, you have to put that partisan bullshit aside and get stuff done. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I appreciated when people did that because from the perspective of with advocacy as opposed to activism, you need both. But one of the things we learned when we were pushing on no fly we stayed apolitical because the goals were more of a priority that we had to sustain, particularly if we have to work with provincial or federal governments. So if you're going to play long ball, you can fight, but you know, it's, it's not going to get you to where you need to go. So maybe you call it a state of detente or a ceasefire and you're just, you're working together. I mean, I remember there's times we're on calls with government uh, departments and to be frank, I mean, I'll say now, they were afraid. Like, you could tell, like, they were very, they, you know, after you get the posturing out of the way, they were very, like, oh, my God. So we had to tell them, look, we're not going to go on Twitter and start blasting you. We're not going to leak stuff to the press. Let's have a very candid conversation of what's going on, how we can get this done, and how we work. But, but also, we're not being used for photo ops either. I can tell you at one point there was a prominent politician who wanted to be involved in volunteer. And so we laid down certain guidelines for them. We said, first off, you're not bringing your entourage with you. Second of all, you're not doing selfies. Third of all, um, you're not attacking anyone provincially or federally or municipally uh, for political points. And lastly, if you're assigned a task to deliver PPE or pack, you better be there when you're supposed to be. Because in the past, when we've tried to arrange stuff with you, you've bailed. So those are the criteria. Think about it real hard if you want in. And then, you know, and then lastly, I said, and I'm not talking to your chief of staff, I'm talking to you. And then you'll still have to interview with Bryn, who's in charge of our HR, because he'll do the final approval on you. You know, and you get back, some people are like, well, don't you know who I am? No, no, I don't. And, and that's just the way we had to run it. Um, you know, you get people like Jamie Campbell and others who are, you know, quote unquote celebrities, Bob McKenzie, um, you know, even Ryan Reynolds just was helping out and just thankful to do it. And, and that's the kind of people you need because, you know, the fact is with some celebrities, it's a double-edged sword, right? I'd also say Haley, you know, she rolled up her sleeves. Well, she showed up at the lockers, packing boxes for Quebec. Uh, you know, she, uh, 
there was no pomp and ceremony. Uh, she, she, you know, used, used tape and packed boxes like the rest of us. Um, the other thing I'd say is uh, if you want to grow fast, if you have a singular vision and everyone is passionate and committed to that vision, you can move really quickly. And I think that, uh, you know, thank goodness we started as friends uh, and, and had people that shared our vision because we would have never moved this quickly if we, if we didn't have the same, the same goals. Listen, um, guys, it is, uh, Akil, just one second. It is 930. Um, I don't want to keep, uh, I, I know, Lori, you're isolating there, so you've got all the time in the world. But I know that uh, everyone sort of got responsibilities. Um, so uh, if I could ask you guys each one question, um, and if you can maybe take, you know, you know, 60 seconds, two minutes uh, to answer. So I will start with, uh, I will start with Greg. Um, Greg, the stuff that you, you know, you and I, we, we bust each other's balls every week. We, we have a good time on, on the podcast, but the stuff that you've, you've learned um, with Conquer COVID CA, everything from the tech partners that you uh, were able to bring on board uh, to, you know, governance of an organization, what things have you learned that you are sort of taking with you? What sort of things out of the playbook maybe that you're taking with you to your sort of day-to-day -day stuff and how you look at things, whether it's at work or whether it is, you know, with, with stuff happening now with Black Lives Matter or, you know, the safety of teachers and students in schools? I think one of the things is always have a picture of the, the leader of your team <laughs> in, in a Leafs jersey when he's a Habs fan in your back pocket. I think that's one of the most important things. Um, what am I taking from this? Uh, it's interesting because I'll be going back to the first, the, one of the first questions you asked was around, you know, it all went down, what's happening at the time. I mean, for me, my mind is always a very busy mind. So Conquer COVID was a really nice distraction from, from what was happening around us. Um, and so from, you know, now that it's shut down and I'm, I'm glad it is because we're exhausted. So it's not like I'm lamenting that it's not still going on right now, but is um, being mindful of my own mental health and keeping things in check and because I didn't, I didn't deal with, honestly, I talked to so many people that were like freaking out during the time. And I'm like, I don't have time to worry about this. <laughs> like, I really, like, I, I don't, I don't, like, I didn't have any time to be, you know, freaking out about what could be and what was happening. So it's interesting, even talking to my parents now, and my mom's worried about the next uptick that we're starting to see right now. And, you know, pretty much everybody in my family, I'm the black sheep, I'm not an educator. Everybody else, including my daughter and my wife and everybody are educators. You know, it's, it, to me, it's, to me, honestly, it's less of a business perspective and it's more about um, keeping mental health in check. And, and when you talk about what's, what's next, and I'm not suggesting this for conquer COVID-19, to me, and I, I personally identified this fairly early for myself, is, you know, if there's something to get behind next, 
I think we're going to have a big mental health challenge. We're starting to see it, obviously, but it's going to be mental health. So yeah. uh, that to me, it's, it's really nothing to do with business and everything to do with personal health. Um, what you you're just muted, said. you're muted. Oh, I know that. You. I know that. Um, <laughs> Akil, I, I, I know, you know, whether, whether, you know, we, we did lots of work, a little work in some of the stuff that you've talked about just on this call, uh, about, you know, setting up corporate structures and things like that. Um, you know, what, what have you, what have you learned that you're sort of taking with you, whether it's on a day-to-day -day basis or something you're sort of keeping in your back pocket for, for future use and not necessarily with conquer COVID, uh, 19.ca, but you know, with, with other things you might be involved in. Um, I think the, the one big thing, um, was actually to set, uh, to, to have an intention to set a deadline to this, this thing is going to wrap up. Cause I think that if everybody knows that there's going to be an end date, um, that forces people to work through the forge of fire that you're working through because you're trying to you're trying to like get there and and things get done. And I have in my other line of work and you know and other initiatives, I see a, a great a vast majority of groups that spin up like this fizzle out very very quickly, and uh, egos come into play and so on. And I and I can't. I actually can't believe the the blessing it was that this whole group was like, we're going to put a sunset clause in it and how it was reinforced by people with a lot of experience in running large nonprofits uh, who had to say the same thing, which is, you know, when, when citizens are getting together to organize, it's a very powerful thing. And as soon as you put a date, an end date on it, um, that that acts as a, as a motivator that works in ways that that you might not notice until after it's all done. Because I've personally seen numerous groups start up for various initiatives over the past six weeks that have got no traction whatsoever on big issues like racism and, and whatever. And it's very slow to start because everybody wants to establish something that goes on for forever. And then ultimately people move slowly because they don't see uh, the, you know, they don't, this, they don't have feel the same sense of urgency as a group of people who have an end date in mind. So that was a big takeaway for me. Interesting. Lori, um, you know, you sort of spearheaded the, uh, the, the playbook. Um, you, you probably, I don't know whether you have that, that document memorized, uh, <laughs> or, or not, but, um, you know, the same question, um, as, as the other two. What, what, what have you learned that you're sort of taking with you on a day-to-day -day basis? I, uh, to build that playbook, I talked to over 20 people um, in a very detailed way about what they learned. And uh, I think it was Khadija that said, we're just a bunch of nobodies from nowhere. I can tell you a bunch of nobodies from nowhere can make an incredible difference. And, uh, you know, I think that we were able to overcome what government were, was not able to do for many reasons, because we gave people a chance. You know, we had people of we had 70% people of color on our senior leadership team. We had 50% women. I mean, I just think there are people that really don't get the chance to lead sometimes. And if you give people a really good diverse group a chance to lead, look at what we can do. 
that's what I've learned. Awesome. Suleiman, you could answer the same question, but I, I have a different question for you. Okay. Um, you've you've <laughs> done you've this as far as I know, which means you've probably mm. done at least twice as much. You've uh, participated in let's call it advocacy work. You've participated in four initiatives uh, that I can remember. The 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 past two obviously conquer COVID. .ca, COVID-19.ca, and uh, No Fly List Kids. A um, couple of questions that come out of that is, are you, what, what's, I guess you don't know what the next thing is, but I know that you're so tired you had to leave the province to get a, to get a bit of a break recently, but um, are, what's, are, are you ready? Are you willing? Are you able to sink your teeth in to whatever it is the next uh, calling is for you? Because even with no fly list kids, there were times when I know you, you told me, I don't know whether I got another year left in this. It's taken a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um, you know, and it takes time away from, from family and other, other uh, things that I'm sure you want to do. Uh, but, but talk to me about sort of where you're, head is at in, in, in future stuff? So, um, I mean, no fly was because of our, our, our child and then other children who were impacted. Um, so it became bigger than just Adam. Um, Conquer COVID was different because we had family members working on the front lines as physicians. Uh, my mom, my father-in-law, other friends. Um, you know, so there were both pieces that were there. I, you know, it's only, I'm going to blame my wife because she's probably the one that got me more involved in advocacy work. Whereas before I was probably more of a capitalist or business focused. Um, so if we get asked the question, what next? Um, I'm not sure. I think right now it's just rest, focus on our, our kids. I mean, our kids were also quite involved in this, but it still took a toll where, you know, they weren't, I don't want to say neglected, but we didn't give them as much attention as I think they needed. So that's where we have to reinvest. And I'm sure the same thing with Lori and her kids and, and Greg and other members and volunteers in our group. Um, so I, I, I'd, I'd have to say that probably the question, what next, I'll defer to Khadija. She'll probably decide what we decide together. But, you know, obviously, um, if there's something where we can help from an advocacy perspective, I think you can either complain about things or you can actually do something. And I think my view is you don't have a right to complain unless you roll up your sleeves and you do something. So uh, that, that's just kind of the way we look at it. And uh, that's our approach. And we're very thankful to, to everyone, everyone here the other volunteers, the partners, everyone. Like, it's a bit surreal, right? Like, we're talking about this now in September, but, you know, if you had told me that we're in March, that this is going to happen, I would have told you you're insane. Like, please, you know, but to Lori's point, I think it's amazing what a small group of people can do together when they learn. And I've learned a lot from Greg and Lori and others as well. Um, I'd say my takeaway probably from this would be that uh, to the points where Akil mentioned on governance and stuff, I would also say if you're going to start up something, 
make sure the people you put in key senior leadership teams are people that you've worked with before. You understand their values, you understand their motivations, you understand how they operate. So there's alignment at that level and that avoids problems in the future. Now that's probably my biggest takeaway. Awesome. Akil, uh, it has been an honor co-hosting this with you. I don't say, <laughs> I, I don't say that often. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> wow, that hurts. That really stinks. I didn't, say, I didn't see any names. What? No, Greg, I wasn't talking. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, the beard's there, but it's still kind of vicious, man. I'm telling you, like, I mean, yeah. you know, he's a Leafs fan, but even I'm kind of like, ouch. You know? <laughs> Akil, why don't you wrap it up, buddy? Um, you know, it's it, it was an interesting very interesting time and a fascinating conversation. Uh, these people on this call, you included Kareem, are some of the uh, kindest humans I know. And, um, you know, I think Suleiman had mentioned two words that really stuck out, which is time and energy. And, um, you know, you obviously have to force the time into an already busy life and put in a whole ton of energy more so than you ever thought going in. And I think that makes all the difference in the world because a great idea is a great idea, but it only really becomes something if you can back it up with time and energy and do it with people who you know are good people because at the end of the day, um, it's going to get rough and uh, you need to know be able to go to bat for that for, for the people behind you. And then, you know, you get these celebrities that, that uh, end up joining the cause and I'm sure that causes its own uh, potential and challenges, right? There's probably a lot of volunteers who cause really weird situations because they want to get close to cool celebrities and that kind of stuff. So you guys handle yourself with charm and character and uprightness. And I think that resource online, that playbook uh, for anybody who's trying to start something up on their own, I think is going to be really uh, a really useful tool. And I would encourage anybody to like reach out to these guys if you can for advice, if you're trying to do your, to do your own thing. Um, so really, I think that's a, a great lesson for all of us. You know, if you've got a, an idea, time energy and good people around you you can be you can be nothings from nowhere and change the world awesome thanks buddy it's been an honor <laughs>